0: Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Roundtable, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today, we are discussing over a year abroad. Thoughts, any do-overs, any regrets, any I wish I would have brought X, and do I want to hop back on that plane home to my previous country or click my heels? What did I think after a year abroad? This, this video was supposed to be made about a month ago, around the anniversary of when I hopped on that plane for the first time in my life and crossed the big, great, wide ocean <laughs> expanse for the first time in my life. I'm like, not only was it my first plane ride, <laughs> it was my first time abroad. I'm like, that was a big step for me. I'm a country mouse. Where I grew up, there were more cows than people most days. So I'm like, you know, that was huge. Huge. But about a month ago, I was battling infection and two months before that, I was battling another infection. And I also had finals for my semester that had to be delayed because of the infections. So I'm like, I did not get that video made until now, but better late than never. I'm like, new year, new video. (laughs) So anyway, but it has been a year abroad. Is there anything that I would change about this past year? Honestly, nothing. This last year, I was like, it has been mind blowing in many ways, but there is nothing that I really regret or would change about this last year and how I lived, what I did. Did it go according to plan? No, no. (laughs) I'm like, when I left the States, I had a plan. It was a plan. I was like, I'm going to go to Taiwan. I'm then going to hop over on the plane and go to Southeast Asia. I'm going to explore. I'm going to move to like Phuket and live the rest of my life by the beach. Probably. Did that happen? No. <laughs> Has it been a wonderful ride that was completely unexpected? Yes. Have I learned a lot that I had no idea about? Oh yeah. So have I been blindsided by falling in love? Yes. Not with a person, with a country, but I'm like, you know, all that happened this past year. And I'm like, I haven't regretted a single bit of it, but it has been completely unexpected. It has not gone according to plan. And yes, there have been times when I'm like, I've fallen pretty ill like three times this year. And I was sitting back here this last week going, you know, I think of myself as being in perfectly good health. And I'm like, normally I am. But this year, there were three times that I'm going, I was not in perfectly good health. But I could have been sick back in the States. or I could be sick where I am now. And I'm like, I like where I am now. So is there anything that I like, number one, like, moving over here i was very worried first of all about safety i was like i don't know how safe it will be abroad number two i was very worried about medical i was like i know medical in the states is not idyllic by any stretch of the the word but i'm like will the medical be worse overseas Or even though it will be cheaper how will that work with my insurance all that If you want to listen to my video about insurance abroad, I put that up just a few days ago. You can go check it out. But anyway, and I was also worried that they would not have like basic amenities abroad. I'm not trying to be stupid here. I'm really not. But I really didn't know if they would have things like you know, the toothpaste I'm used to or the feminine products you need every month. I mean, you know, I'm going, those things are kind of important to me. So I was like, will they have those things. I packed a lot of both those things because I was like, what if they don't? Honestly, for the safety, I haven't felt unsafe once since moving abroad except for a time that I was in Vietnam. There, I did have a couple of moments where I didn't feel particularly safe because I was in Hanoi, Vietnam. That was the one place that during this year I've traveled to several different places. I'm like, you know, that place did not feel safe. I had an altercation that turned out perfectly fine, but I did understand why the hotel owner at the hotel I was staying, at was like... Madame, we can get you whatever you need. You do not need to go walking to the convenience store to grab something. We can get you that. And I took a bit of a walk one day and I had a group of, I think it was taxi cab drivers that were all men and all looking at me very strange. And I don't mean where like, I'm not an attractive person. So it was not because of my looks. I think it's just because, I don't know but it made me very uncomfortable, so that's the only time I felt somewhat stressed about safety because I'm like, there are five pretty tall, big guys, all in a group on the side of the road, I don't speak any Vietnamese, and I really do not like the way that they're looking at me, not because it's me, but I'm just going, because I don't think we should look at anybody that way. Sorry, but that made me a bit uncomfortable, but that is literally the only time. And I'm like, if I was in the States, I would be dealing with that every other day. I'm going to the bus stop one on one with one guy. But there it was like five guys and I was going, this makes me really uncomfortable. This is not good. So I beelined it back to my hotel and I was like, I took the hotel owner up on if I needed something, let them know. But that was the only safety issue in literally over a year. I was in the middle of Taipei at midnight one time. I didn't feel unsafe once. I have been to several other places, several other countries. I haven't felt unsafe except for that one time in Hanoi. So that was a little bit of a problem. Now medical, 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 medical has been so much better abroad than it was in the States, hands down. Now, I have not used my insurance once from the U.S. because it is so cheap that I really haven't needed to. I did fall sick when I landed in Taiwan. I fell ill. About a week and a half after being there, I went to the doctor. They got me in within 20 minutes. They properly diagnosed my symptoms. They gave me my medication, and it was $15 for everything with no insurance. I went on my merry way and within like two to three days I was perfectly fine again. When I landed in, let's see, I went to Phuket as well for a month this year and Vietnam and now I'm in a new place but I'm like, you know, when I was in Thailand I got sick with food poisoning and I was really stupid. (laughs) I waited two weeks to go to the doctor because I'm like, I'm here for, you know, months. I think I can battle through this and I don't need to go to the clinic because it might be more expensive than it would be in Taiwan. That was a really dumb idea. I will be the first to admit because I got to the clinic, I was like, I finally got to the point where I cannot hardly see straight. I still feel sick. It has been almost two weeks and this food poisoning is not going away, even though I'm taking the medication that I brought with me to help that not be a problem. So I did go to the clinics in Thailand. I went to two clinics. <laughs> the clinics in Thailand that cater to the tourists, I do not really recommend. I'm not to bad to the clinics at all, but it is totally different than going to Taiwan clinic because I walked into the clinic. It took about an hour to get a doctor. The doctor came in and is like, well, you could have food poisoning, but it could be colon cancer. I recommend a colonoscopy, a, a bunch of tests. Uh, da, 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 da. And I was like, How much is that going to cost? She's like, 750 USD to $900. I'm like, You know, I don't mean it bad. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm not spending 750 to $900. I'm like, I will do the antibiotics for one week, I will do the probiotics that I will not get here. I will get them at the pharmacy for way less. And if I'm still having trouble after that, I will come back and get some further testing. But I'm not going to just jump to the rapid conclusion that I have colon cancer because I ate some bad food when I was in Thailand. So that was not easy because it seems that the clinics that cater to tourists do try to (laughs) charge a lot more so that happened twice because i went to two clinics it's about thirty to forty dollars a visit when you go to a thai clinic that's for tourists now i do know that if you go to the clinics that are smaller and that cater more to the locals you do not run into that problem because i've had friends tell me that you can go there and it's like $20 a visit, and I actually went to one there because I went to the clinic a lot when I was in Thailand. (laughs) Yeah, my Thai trip did not go as I planned. (laughs) I was like, I was so excited to go to Thailand, and like, I got sick a lot when I was there for my trip. So I was like, that was not how it was supposed to go. But still, I don't regret that trip to Thailand. I'm just saying it was not as planned. So anyway, when I left the States, I thought I will go to Taiwan, I will stay a month, I will then beeline it over to Phuket where I will probably want to stay for the rest of my life because of the beaches, the people, the food, the low cost of living, all that. However, that plan did not pan out the way that I thought at all. It doesn't mean that it was a bad plan, it just means that it was made without actually having been to either Taiwan or to Phuket. So when I landed in Taiwan, I thought it will be a nice visit. It will be a good place to start off because the ticket price there was cheaper than anywhere else I could go. And the only thing I really knew about Taiwan is I had watched a lot of Taiwanese drama. I could understand some Chinese because of that. I cannot speak well at all in Chinese, but I can understand some. And I was like, you know, even if I have trouble, With the language barrier, I am sure it will be okay because if the dramas from Taiwan are any indicator, the people there are very friendly, very nice, and it will be all right. And all of my Japanese students for the past three years had told me, Anna, you must go to Taiwan. Even before you come to Japan, you must visit Taiwan. And I'm going, over 5,000 people cannot be wrong about this. I mean, no offense, I've taught a lot of lessons in three years, and they all say the same thing pretty much when Taiwan comes up. So, I went to Taiwan. I fell in love with Taiwan. It's like that song by Fly By Midnight, Infinitely Falling, or Million Days, by another band. I'm like, I have never felt about a place like that. It was up South Dakota, Black Hills. But even then, it is not the same feeling. I mean, Taiwan is like the ultimate beautiful, peaceful place I have ever been in my life. And I'm like, I remember my first memory of Taiwan was I was a little kid. (laughs) And my dad had these brass keychains. What's funny is I actually brought one of them with me because I needed a keychain to go and I was like, this was sturdy. But the keychains were these brass ones that had the clip so you could clip it on your belt loop. And they said made in Taiwan. And I remember being like eight years old. And I asked my mom and my dad, I was like, what is Taiwan? And my mom, or dad told me, they were like, Taiwan is part of China. You never want to go there. (laughs) And I think it's funny because I'm like, I did not do it out of rebellion to that comment. I did it because I was like, all my students have told me I must go to Taiwan and they have the cheapest ticket price to Asia as a Portal door to where I want to go next. So I thought I will go to Taiwan, even though that was my first memory of Taiwan. And what's funny is, I was looking at that kitchen here this week and I'm like, you know, it is so funny in a weird, <laughs> dark humor kind of way <laughs> that my first memory of Taiwan is that keychain. And my parents telling me, it's part of China. Don't go there. You might never make it back alive. <laughs> I'm going, they weren't that dramatic but still I'm going you know it is kind of weird how life works out because Taiwan is nothing like that now of course there are risks when you go anywhere but if there's one thing Taiwan has taught me it's like it really helped me solidify inner peace just by being there for a few months because as an American citizen you can go to Taiwan for three months at a time I was planning on being there one month However, within two to three weeks of being there, I have fallen in love. Like, literally, I'm like, I don't want to leave this place even to go to beautiful Phuket because I can stay here two more months and I'm loving Taiwan. The people are super nice. The language barrier is not that big of a deal. I'm going, you know, I've had people say, well, how did you communicate? I'm like, well... You have google translator if you know how to say please and thank you and i would like this please you can get around and you can use the translator and as long as you are very polite you are not going to run into any problems because most taiwanese people also speak english and if they don't everyone is very very nice and will also have a translator <laughs> so i'm like it really wasn't a problem the other thing is I spend most of my day talking. So when I'm done with work and I do go out and about, I'm like, I don't really feel the need to be super chatty with people in my day-to-day life. So I'm like, no offense at all, but I'm going, you know, I really didn't feel bad that I didn't talk more when I was like in my day-to-day life. Because I'm going, when you talk to like 16 students a day, for eight to nine hours, (laughs) you don't really want to have to use your voice that much at the end of the day. I'm like, you know, uh uh-uh. But so I decided to extend my visit in the midst of all that I was like, you know, before I go to Phuket, I think i want to go to Vietnam because Hanoi looks fascinating. The beaches, the aquarium, the, the culture, I could try pho in home of pho. So I was like, I will go do the pho (laughs) crawl. Plus, the ticket to Vietnam from Taipei was super cheap. So I was like, I'm going to go there. And then if I feel festive, I will go to Phuket. And if I don't, I could come back to Taiwan and stay another three months. I'm like, you know, my options are open. So I packed my suitcase and I went to Hanoi. I had my visa for 30 days. Actually, 28 days, I think. However, my experience in Vietnam lasted only 10 days. I think, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that long because Vietnam, it's not something that I regret and it's not something I would actually even do over in any way because it, it helps me understand more about living abroad and also there's a famous quote, I cannot remember who said it, but I remember reading it when I was in high school that said, we are defined by what we choose not to run away from. And I remember reading that quote growing. you know, a lot of people think we are defined by what we run away from, by what we are scared of. But when you really think about it, we are actually more defined by what we choose to stand by than what we choose to stand against or flee from. I mean, no offense, but that does make a lot of sense. Or maybe it's like a 50 50 thing. Actually, no, I think it's more than 50 50 on that deal. But anyway, so when I was in Vietnam, everything kind of went totally bad. I mean, I landed, I got sick because of the smog, I got sick because of the cigarette smoke, I had to deal with people trying to double charge me in Vietnamese dong. Every single shop I went to other than the convenience stores. I had trouble with immigration. I'm still not sure why I had trouble with immigration because my visa was perfectly fine. They actually sneezed and wiped that into my passport when I left. And when I arrived, they glared at me like I had done something horrible. I'm not even sure why I'm going. I had all my paperwork in order, but I cannot communicate in Vietnamese. They cannot communicate in English at all at the immigration office. So that whole entry experience was totally not good. And I actually have a a video podcast you can check out on Vietnam that I did when I was there. When I arrived at my hotel, it was a beautiful five-star hotel room. Beautiful, beautiful, very, very nice. But the bathrooms were full of black mold in about every hotel I stayed in except for the last one. And these were very nice hotels. So I had trouble because of the black mold. I had to keep the door shut. I had to keep the air purifiers on because I'm like, this is not going to be good. Even though I'm supposedly recovered from asthma, this could trigger it again. And it did. By the second day I was in Vietnam, after having dealt with the black mold, the smog, the smoke in the room, because people next door are all smoking cigarettes. When I go out on the street, they're smoking a ton of cigarettes. Very, very much. Like, lots more smokers in Vietnam than I was. I mean, almost everyone smokes. It's kind of weird culturally compared to what I was used to in Taiwan or even America. So, that was not a very good intro. And the next day, or two days after I arrived, I was supposed to go to my apartment that I had for a month through Agoda. I booked it. The apartment apparently did not exist. Agoda couldn't get a hold of the landlord. When I arrived, no one knew anything about my rental of it. At that point, I decided to just go get a hotel by the airport. When I was on the way to the hotel by the airport, my taxi driver started swearing in Vietnamese because the front of our car was almost tilted as someone veered into our lane and that's just normal traffic in Hanoi so by the end of that I was like I am just going to get a flight back to Taiwan because that whole experience I'm going number one I can't afford to get sicker because of the air number two I could go and explore and see the beaches and the aquarium that I want to see, but I'm not willing to get back into one of these cabs and be risking my life and them because that's really what you're doing when you're taking to the road in Hanoi. I'm going, I'm just done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. done, done. <laughs> Plus- I guess that there's a big risk of theft. I couldn't take my phone out of my bag because everyone was telling me they'll come and rip your phone out of your hand if you're taking pictures and you're on the street. That's what happens with the motorbikes. So I was like, I'm not having a very good time in Hanoi. And this is very, very stressful but the one thing that hanoi solidified is through that whole 10-day experience because i couldn't fly right back because the ticket price was too high so i had to wait and get it like 10 days later because it was half off and it's only like 13 dollars a day for the hotel room and i did find a hotel that did not have black mold in the bathroom now the one positive is the hotels are ran by super super nice people very very nice so i have no complaints there, except the black mold in the two first ones I tried, but I'm going, that's not their fault. It's just, I don't know why they can't keep the black mold from being so potent, but apparently they can't. So I did enjoy the food. I really liked the, the hotel um, owners very, very nice, but Vietnam really taught me. I was like, I want to go back to Taiwan. That feels like home. This feels like absolute chaos, (laughs) but never once in the middle of that did I sit there and go, I want to go back to the U.S. I want to go back to the U.S. now, which really taught me. I was like, you know, I had really wondered if I would miss the States. I had wondered if maybe in the middle of all this, I would at some point during this first year abroad sit there and go, I want to go home to the States. But never once have I sat there and gone, I want to go home to the States, but I have sat there and gone, I want to go home to Taiwan, and I want to kiss the terraforma when I get there after being in Hanoi. So that really sought me. I'm like, you know, I found out what works, and that was with the whole chaos of Vietnam. The absolute chaos. So I made it back to Taiwan. I thought about going to Cambodia to visit Angkor Wat because I'm like, it's a short flight from Vietnam or going to Thailand because I was a short flight, but I could not figure out how to get my luggage there because of the size of suitcase I had. And I'm going, the last thing I need is to be not able to make my flight because I don't have the right suitcase and I'm not leaving these suitcases because I ordered them special before I left. I'm like, they're pioneer women's suitcases. They're super cute. And the other thing that I was worried about is I'm like, Vietnam ended up to be absolute chaos. I'm like, what if I go to Cambodia? It's even more absolute chaos. What if I go to Thailand? And even though it's not supposed to be absolute chaos, what if it is? I'm not really up for that after these 10 jarring days in Vietnam. So I went back to Taiwan for about two and a half months, and then I went to Phuket for one month. I booked my ticket. I booked my visa. I took the flight. Phuket was very beautiful. The beaches were stunning. Everything was very nice. The the locals there are amazing. I have nothing but good to say about the views and the locals. They're awesome. However, the thing that I was not expecting about Phuket was the, I don't know how to say it, like kind of the Las Vegas tendency of Phuket. The reason being is I went to Phuket because I like the beach and I really like what I have seen of Thai culture. However, most people I met who were tourists in Phuket came there because they like to party and because they really like the cheap marijuana. And I ended up in Katu district of Phuket, which is the middle part of Phuket. That is not the place you want to go if you like quiet and peaceful. (laughs) I didn't know this it's like the heart of the party area there's a lot of nightclubs there's a lot of adult massage places things like that so Phuket I decided after being there for a month I was like I did like having my own kitchen again because I got a condo it had a kitchen it was really nice i got to go to the fresh market in kat do that was a great experience i got to go to a couple open air markets i did a beach hop for one to two days i got to go buy the elephant preserves i didn't actually go in the elephant preserves because they went. i mean it's not terribly expensive to go to them I'm like i can see the elephants they're so cute but i don't need to go and spend like thirty to seventy dollars to go be by the elephants. Plus, what if they spit on me? <laughs> I mean, no elephants, I'm like, I like observing them from a distance. They're very cute, but they're big and they spit on me. <laughs> so I didn't go to the elephants, but I'm like, you know, I got to do all those things. But the other thing that I noticed was I have spent the last four years watching Thai dramas those dramas really did help me to figure out how to navigate much better than I would have if I had not had those dramas but they did not really prepare me for the the tourist aspect of Phuket if I had gone to Bataya, I know it would have been 100 times more strong effect than it was in Phuket but the the tourists that I met in Phuket tended to really be quite into partying. I'm I'm not against partying at all, but I'm like I really like to just kind of be quiet and have a nice day and study and what I found was even just living in the condo a lot of time my neighbors would be smoking marijuana which would be coming into my apartment so I'd have to have my air purifier on because otherwise I'm starting to cough and sneeze and all this because I'm allergic to marijuana and they actually are not supposed to smoke in the condo that I lived in but people are still smoking in the condo that I lived in and I'm like I'm not going to talk up to the department or whoever owns the apartment complex about this because the last thing i need is to have my neighbor next door mad at me because i'm saying they're smoking indoors when they shouldn't be they also would be playing extremely loud music at all times day and night so It wasn't a very calm situation. Now, the travel costs were very reasonable. And I did enjoy going to also, they have this indoor mall complex. I think it's called Central in Phuket. And in there, they have these amazing, beautiful koi fish. I went like three times to that place because I just liked walking by the koi. They're huge koi, like giant. So between the beaches and the koi, I definitely would visit Thailand again. But it wasn't like I sat there and felt like I want to live the rest of my days here, which I really thought I would feel like. And also, I kind of went because I was like, I want to see if this would be a good place to raise kids. After being there for a month, I'm going, I definitely would not raise kids in Phuket. Especially if they were older children. If they're younger children, it would be easier, but there are certain things that I do not want to have to explain to my eight to 12 year old that they would see there that they're not going to see like ever in Taiwan, for example, or ever in South Korea or ever in Japan, because it's just not going to happen in those countries. I know that like Tokyo has a red light district and I know that Korea has a red light district, but they are not going to be as obvious and they're not going to be happening in the daytime as much as you see in Phuket. And it's no offense to the red light districts. It's just like, this is not really what I was thinking it would be when I landed. So I packed things up and I decided to go on to my adventures. And you know, I would say after that, now I'm currently traveling again, I'm in a new spot, but I'm like, you know, I'm not sure how long I'll be here, but it's not where I planned on being, but I'm like, you know, it's a good place. It's nice. It's not like a a permanent place. I'm like, I'm only going to be here for a short time, but I'm like, it's still a very good place. It's not, it wasn't any place i was thinking about coming when i was over here in asia but i'm like you know life takes you to very interesting places and it opens up doors that you had no idea you would ever see or go to or be and to have the willingness to sit there and go i have this plan i'm going to do x y and z but Sometimes X, Y, or Z does not work out the way that you thought it would. That doesn't mean that X, Y, or Z was bad or good. It just means that X, Y, or Z did not work out the way that you thought it would. But at the end of the day, the thing that I discovered is being a bit more flexible and also realizing that you don't have to have your whole life here. It's like, I have a five and ten year plan, but sometimes you have to adjust that plan. You have to sit there and go, this is not going to work out the way that you planned. This is not going to work out the way that you planned. You will still get done what you want to get done, what you need to get done, be there for the people you need to be there for. But at the end of the day, it's not about getting everything checked off the list. It's about living well and sitting there and going, I have a list, but I might need to alter it based on a number of factors that are beyond my control that I was not expecting to have happen this way. And that, I think, is one of the greatest things living abroad has taught me. The other thing living abroad has taught me is, like I said before, I haven't once sat down and went. I really wish I could go back to the States. Now, the only exception to that has been earlier this year, I was watching Red, White, and Royal Blue, the new Amazon original movie. I think it's one of the few movies I've seen from the States that's a BL drama that I actually liked parts of. Now, some of it, I'm going, it's a little too adult. But even that, I think they handled somewhat well. Now, some people might disagree with me. It is rated R. I totally get that. But I'm like, you know, I definitely would not watch it with the kiddies. But still, I think they handled everything very well in that movie. But the thing that movie... When I was watching it, the one thing I was like, I was like, you know, the character of Alex that can do spirit, even though like when I left the States, the one thing that I really realized was I was like, you know, the past decade has been so hard for people. I mean, politically, it's been a roller coaster. I mean, whether you're conservative, whether you're um, liberal, whether you're. You know, middle ground, whether you're totally apolitical, (laughs) it has been a roller coaster. We have seen things happen that none of us really expected to see happen. And, you know, we're coming into the new year and goodness knows what we will or won't see in this new year. I mean, whatever people are for or against, we don't know. But it has become a roller coaster. And the one thing that I think is sad is in the midst of that roller coaster, as Americans, I think that we become so expectant of all this terrible stuff that could happen or go wrong. And then like we've had the war in Ukraine, we've had the war in Gaza, the world just seems to be on fire. And as Americans, when I was a kid growing up, I remember, we had this kind of spirit where it was like, we might not be able to fix it. We might not be able to make it completely better, but we can certainly try. And I love that spirit, even though I'm like, you know, it might not work out. It might end up in total oblivion. It reminds you of Gimli when he's like sitting there in his chair going, A little chance of success, certain and sudden death. What are we waiting for? I'm like, you know? There are times when it just seems like a no-win situation. But the one thing I really did like about growing up in America was the fact that I was surrounded by people that for the most part sat there and went, we can at least try to make it better. But the thing that I felt the last decade of being in America is everyone is so tired. Everyone is so exhausted. Everyone is sitting there trying to deal with the economy, inflation and the COVID. and the families all having drama that we were not expecting. I mean, I'm going, you know, it kind of came from all fronts that I feel like we've kind of forgotten that can-do spirit. And the thing that I really liked about Red, White, and Royal Blue was the character of Alex. Because even though I know it's a fictional story, even though there are parts of it, I'm like, you know, the chances that a president's son and a prince from Britain could ever be together in today's society, as as open as we say we are to to LGBTQI+, is very, very slim. But the thing that I really liked about that drama was, the fact that alex's character is like we might not be able to change the world but we can do what we can to make it a better place and to really truly embody that feeling like at the end of the show i love it when he goes to the house with henry and he opens the door and he's like we won and i'm going you know it's not really about them winning as a couple it's about the spirit of winning as a whole of making it so that people can live and be who they are without fear or without feeling the judgment to be this overwhelming weight and i loved that part of the movie i remember when i finished robert and gloria blue i watched it twice and the first time the first day and i watched it again several times that week but i was going you know i loved that part of it. And that's a part of it that I do miss living in Asia because there is an intrinsic can-do spirit of like one person being able to make a difference that I do admire about the American culture as far from it as we may be right now. And when I'm living in Asia, the thing that I love about Asia is actually the reverse of what I love about the U.S. because it's not about the individual it's more about looking at the needs of everyone and doing what we can as a whole unit it's about collectivism over individuality and it's kind of weird but i appreciate the inversion of the beliefs as strange as it sounds so what i miss about the u.s if i was in the u.s i would miss about asia i'm like you know it's kind of a weird push-me-pull-me-Dr. Doolittle kind of creature. <laughs> like, I can't explain it another way. So I think that out of anything that I miss about the States, it's that feeling. Although if I were in the States, I don't think I would feel that feeling just because when I left, I'm going, I'm not feeling that individualism. I'm feeling the jadedness, the stress, the, the fact that everything is so hard with the economy right now it's just it's hard to survive it's hard to make it and then everything with the pressures and all that but still the individuality of america that idealism i really i do like and there's a part of me that does miss that even though i know it's 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 in a way idyllic of me to think that we have that as america right now because things are not that way as much in the present moment. And I'm not saying that to be bad to America at all or bad to any, anyone. I'm just saying it's a difficult situation we find ourselves in. And in this, in an inverted way, the thing that I have come to love about Asia is it is about collectivism. It's like I was watching the creator show here um, this summer and I was like, In a nutshell, what I love about Asia is encapsulated in that creator movie, because when you're talking about like A.I., for example, there are people that are saying they're going, it's going to take over the world. It's going to destroy us. all, It's going to take all our jobs. And I'm like, you know, it's just a tool. It can be used for good. It can be used for evil. But to sit there and assume that the worst will happen with it is not the healthiest way to look at AI. But I'm sitting there going, in a similar way, the way the AI is handled, the way it is approached with the the depiction of Asia, I'm going, that really is why I like Asia, because when you're when you're looking at the story, the the Asian governments and the Asian people in that story are saying they're going. AI isn't a threat. We can live in perfect peace and harmony with AI. It's not going to destroy our lives. We can help it. It can help us. It's not a us versus them. It's as a collective unit. What can we do together to make the world a better place? And when I got done watching The Creator, there are some parts of that that are extremely violent, which I really dislike, but I'm going, you know, that show really encapsulates in many ways, the different viewpoints of West versus East thought, and I'm going, it shows how in many ways, like when I was in Taiwan, or when I was in Vietnam, or when I was in Phuket, or when I'm in the place I'm in now, I'm like, you know, people don't really get upset. I'm not saying they never do, but they seldom do. And I think one of the reasons is, is they sit there and go, certain things are not worth getting upset over. So why spend our life upset when we could be living peacefully, living as well as possible, you know, things like that. And I'm going, that has been really such a wake-up call for me because I'm going, I'm an extremely calm person. But I remember when I lived in the States, people were like, You're so calm, Anna. How do you stay so calm? Even in the midst of stress, you're really, really calm. I mean, when I go to the emergency room, which has happened like once or twice, I'm like, my blood pressure actually drops because I just don't get physically stressed in an apparent way. Now I have inner stress, which can be very, very high sometimes, but I'm like, hardly anyone ever sees me stress out. And when I'm living in Asia though, it's like a lot of people, are are very very calm actually almost everyone here is very very calm and i'm like it really makes your life so much richer to be in a place where you don't have strife and pressure on a daily basis with your interactions because like i remember there were days when i lived in the states and i was like i don't want to go to the grocery store because the checker the people in the aisles. There's going to be altercations that come up just because I'm coexisting in the same breathing space and somebody had a bad day and decided to take it out on the person they're checking out or because my card is here, I'm gonna hack someone else off and I do not wanna have to deal with hacked off people today. I never feel that way when I'm over here. I'm like, I can go and do stuff and I know that I am not going to make anyone hacked off. I'm going to confuse some people, but I'm not going to make anyone really angry. And so I'm like, that has been a wonderful, wonderful thing about living abroad. And so this is my part one video of living abroad. Now I'm going to do a second part two video about is there anything that I wish I would have brought? And do I have any widow, widow widows along the way? Check it at the round table. Bye.